0: Chapter fifteen of the Daughter of a Magnate by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter fifteen, November. They walked back to the parlors. Doctor Lanning and Marie were picking up the rackets at the ping-pong table. mrs Whitney had gone into the office for the evening mail passing the piano gertrude sat down and swung around toward the keys glover took music from the table unwilling to admit a trace of the unusual in the beating of her heart or in her deeper breathing she could not entirely control either there was something too fascinating in defying the light that she knew glowed in the dull eyes at her side she avoided looking Enough that the fire was there without directly exposing her own eyes to it. She drummed with one hand, then with both, at a gavotte on the rack before her. Overcome merely at watching her fingers stretch upon the keys, he leaned against the piano. Why did you ask me to come up? As he muttered the words, she picked again and again with her right hand at the loving little phrase in the gavotte when it went precisely right she spoke in the same tone still caressing the phrase never looking up are you sorry you came no i'd rather be trod underfoot than not be near you may we not be friends without either of us being martyred i shall be afraid ever to ask you to do anything again was i wrong In assuming it would give you, as well as all of us, "'pleasure to dine together this evening?' "'No, you know better than that. "'I'm insanely presumptuous, I know it. "'Let me ask one last favor.' "'The gavotte rippled under her fingers. "'No.' "'He turned away. "'She swung on the stool toward him "'and looked very kindly and frankly up. "'You've been too courteous to all of us for that.' "'Ask as many favors as you like, Mr. Glover,' she murmured. "'But not, if you please, a last one. "'It shall be the last, Miss Brock. "'I only... you only what? "'Will you let me know what day you're going, so I may say good-bye?' "'Certainly I will. "'You will be at Medicine Bend in any case, won't you?' "'No, I have fifteen hundred miles to cover next week.' "'What for?' Oh, it isn't any of my business, is it? Looking over the snow sheds. Will you telegraph me? Where? At the wiki-up. It will reach me. You might have to come too far. We shall start in a few days. Will you telegraph me? If you wish me to eight days later when suspense had grown sullen and glover had parted with all hope of hearing from her he heard in the depths of the hart river range her message reached him every day giddings hundreds of miles away at the wickia had had his route list giddings who would have died for the engineer waited every point in the repeating covered day after day for glen tarn message that glover expected For four days, Glover had hung like a dog around the nearer stretches of the division. But the season was advanced. He dared not delegate the last vital inspection of the year, and bitterly he retreated from shed to shed until he was buried in the barren wastes of the Eighth District. The day in the Heart River Mountains is the thin gray day of the alkali and the sage on friday afternoon glover's car lay sidetracked at the east end of the nine-mile shed waiting for a limited train to pass the train was late and the sun was dropping into an ashen strip of wind clouds that hung cold as shrouds to the north and west when the gray-powered engine whistled for the siding Motionless beside the switch, Glover saw down the gloom of the shed, the shoes ringing fire from the pullman's wheels, and wondered why they were stopping. The conductor from the open vestibule waved to him as the train slowed, and ran forward with the message. "'Giddings wired me to wait for your answer, Mr. Glover,' said the conductor. Glover was reading the telegram. I may start Saturday, G.B. There was one chance to make it. That was to take the limited train then and there. Bidding the conductor wait, he hastened to his car, called for his gripsack, gave his assistant a volley of orders, and boarded a pullman. Not the preferred stock of the whole system would have availed at that moment to induce an inspection of Nine Mile Shed. There were men that he knew in the sleepers, but he shunned acquaintance and walked on till he found an empty section into which he could throw himself and feast undisturbed on his telegram. He studied it anew, tried to consider coolly whether her message meant anything or nothing, and gloated over the magic of the letters that made her initials, and when he slept, the word last in his heart was Gertrude in the morning he breakfasted late in the sunshine of the diner passed his friends again and secluded himself in his section never before had she said i always it had been we with eyes half closed upon the window he repeated the words and spoke her name after them because every time the speaking drugged him like lotus until yielding again to the exhaustion of the week's work and strain he fell asleep when he woke the car was dark the train conductor sid francis was sitting beside him laughing you're sleeping to-day mr glover sid where are we asked glover looking at his watch it was four o'clock grouse creek "'Are we that late? What's the matter?' "'The conductor nodded toward the window. "'Look there!' "'The sky was gray with a driving haze. "'A thin sweep of snow flying in the sand of the storm "'was whitening the sagebrush. "'Glover, waking wide, turned to the window. "'Where's the wind, Sid?' "'Northwest.' "'What's the thermometer?' Thirty at Creston.' Sixty when we left MacDill at noon. Everything running? They've been getting the freights into division since noon. There'll be something doing tonight on the range. They sent stock warnings everywhere this morning, but they can't begin to protect the stock between here and medicine in one day. Pulling hard, isn't she? We're not making up anything. The porter was lighting the lamps while they talked it had grown quite dark losing time every mile of the way the train frost-crested to the eyelids got into sleepy cat at half-past six o'clock four hours late the crowded yard as they pulled through it showed the tie-up of the day's traffic long lines of freight cars filled the trackage and overloaded switch engines struggled with ever-growing burdens to avert the inevitable blockade of the night. Glover's anxiety as he left the train at the station was as to whether he could catch anything on the Glen Tarn branch to take him up to the springs that night, for there he was resolved to get before morning if he had to take an engine for the run. As he started up the narrow hall leading to the telegraph office, he heard the rustle of skirts above. Someone was descending the stairway, and with his face in the light he halted. "'Oh, Mr. Glover!' "'Why, Miss Brock!' It was Gertrude. "'What in the world?' he began. His broken voice was very natural, she thought. But there was amazement in his utterance. He noticed there was little color in her face. The deep boa of fur nestling about her throat might account for that. "'What a chance that I should meet you!' she exclaimed, her back hard against the side wall, for the hall was narrow and brought them face to face. She spoke on. "'Did you get my—' "'Did I?' he echoed slowly i have travelled every minute since yesterday afternoon to get here her uneasy laugh interrupted him it was hardly worth while all that and i was just going up to find out about getting to glentarn glentarn i left glentarn this afternoon all alone to go to medicine ben papa is there did you know he came yesterday with all the directors Our car was attached for me to the afternoon train coming down. She was certainly wrought up, he thought. But when we reached here, the train I should have taken to Medicine Bend had not come. It's here now. Thank heaven, is it? I came in on it. Then I can start at last. I've been so nervous. Is this our train? They said our car couldn't be attached to this train, and that I should have to go down in one of the sleepers. I don't understand it at all. Will you have the car sent back to Glentarn in the morning, Mr. Glover? And would you get my handbag? I was nearly run over a while ago by some engine or other. I mustn't miss this train. Never fear, never fear, said Glover. But I cannot miss it. Be very, very sure, won't you? Indeed, I shall. The train won't start for some time yet. First, let me take you to your car and then make some inquiries. Is no one down with you? No one. I'm alone. Alone? I expected to have been with Papa by this time. It takes so little time to run down, you know. And I telegraphed Papa. I should come on to meet him. Isn't it most disagreeable, Weather? Glover laughed as he shielded her from the wind. I suppose that's a woman's name for it. The car, coupled to a steam pipe, stood just east of the station, and Glover, helping her into it, went back after a moment to the telegraph office. It seemed a long time that he was gone, and he returned covered with snow. She advanced quickly to him in her wraps. "'Are they ready?' He shook his head. "'I'm afraid you can't get to medicine to-night.' "'Oh, but I must!' they have abandoned number six what does that mean the train will be held here tonight on account of the storm there will be no train of any kind down before morning not then if this keeps up is there danger of a blockade there is a blockade then i must get to papa tonight she spoke with disconcerting firmness may i suggest he asked certainly would it not be infinitely better to go back to the springs no that would be infinitely worse it would be comparatively easy an engine to pull your car up on a special order i will not go back to the springs to-night and i will go to medicine bend she exclaimed apprehensively may i not have a special there as well as to the springs Until that moment, he had never seen anything of her father in her. But her father spoke in every feature. She was a brock. Glover looked grave. You may have, I am sure, every facility the division offers. I make only the point, he said gently, that it would be hazardous to attempt to get to the bend tonight. I've just come from the telegraph office. IN THE DISTRICT I LEFT THIS MORNING, THE WIRES ARE ALL DOWN TO-NIGHT. THAT IS WHERE THE STORM IS COMING FROM. THERE IS A LULL HERE JUST NOW, BUT I THANK YOU, MR. GLOVER, BELIEVE ME, VERY SINCERELY, FOR YOUR SOLICITUDE. I HAVE NO CHOICE BUT TO GO, AND IF I MUST, THE SOONER THE BETTER, SURELY. IS IT POSSIBLE FOR YOU TO MAKE ARRANGEMENTS FOR ME? IT IS POSSIBLE, YES, HE ANSWERED GUARDEDLY. BUT YOU HESITATE. "'It is a terrible night. "'I like snow, Mr. Glover. "'The danger tonight is the wind. "'Are you afraid of the wind?' "'There was a touch of ridicule in her half-laughing tone. "'Yes,' he answered. "'I am afraid of the wind. "'You are jesting.' "'She saw that he flushed just at the eyes, "'but he spoke still gently.' You feel that you must go? I must. Then I will get orders at once. End of chapter 15